0: And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thy and thy seed, after thee and their generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you, and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man, child, in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger which is not of thy seed, he that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man, child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, thou shalt, be cut, shalt thou, that soul shall be cut off from his people, for he hath broken my covenant. Keep your Bible open there. That chapter will be referring to it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we love your son. We love you because you first loved us. And we love you because he gave us life. And he drew us through your spirit. You drew us on to him. Oh, we worship you. Unworthy as we were. And ungrateful as we even sometimes are. Lord, turn our hearts to face you again. Oh, may we fall in love with the Lord Jesus fresh and anew for what he has done and for all that he has accomplished for us, for his glory. Glorify your name this morning, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's an old saying which goes like this. Must needs is a great master. Must needs is a great master. There's things we just must do. It masters us. In other words, it's a binding clause. For example, in the New English Dictionary, the word must is described as something expressing necessity. Now take note of this. It it is described as something expressing necessity or something expressing certainty. The word here must also, not only in the New English Dictionary, but also in uh, the Greek New Testament and in the Hebrew, gives the idea of something that is binding. In other words, it must happen. It must be done. The first mention of the English word must is in our reading in Genesis 17 and verse 13. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money, must needs—take note, mark it down, underline that—must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. What is the covenant? The covenant is found at the beginning of our chapter in chapter 17. In fact, the word covenant itself is expressed some 12 times. In this chapter, let's just look briefly at verse one. And when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Lord Almighty. I am the Almighty God. Excuse my eyesight a little. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thy perfect or upright. And I will make, notice, he calls it my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Here, Abram is 99 years old. He hasn't got one child yet. And we're told that uh, Sarah's womb was barren. Abraham's uh, reproductive organs were dead. In other words, there was nothing could happen that was an impossibility. Yet the Lord says, I am the Almighty God. In other words, everything else is beneath me. There is only one Almighty, you know that. There can't be two Almighties, or else one Almighty on Almighty's himself. There's only one Almighty. And he says, I am Almighty God, showing that he is Lord over all things, God over all things, all-powerful supreme and sovereign over all things, creator, maker, keeper, and sustainer of all things that are in heaven and earth. And he comes to this man called Abram, which means high father. And he says, I'm going to change you from being a high father to a father of many nations. Now, Abram hasn't had a son. He hasn't a child. And of course, we're looking at a great impossibility here. But then if we go down, I'm just going to read through these. Uh, in verse 7, he says, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed. So the covenant starts to spread out. Notice this. First of all, there was a covenant between the Almighty and Abram. The covenant is with thee, says uh, the Lord to Abram. And then in verse 7, My covenant between me and thee and thy seed. And then it says, for an everlasting covenant. And then if you let your eye run down to verse 9, he says, it says, and God said unto Abraham, thou shalt keep my covenant. So God says it's mine, but I'm instilling it in you and in your generations and your seed. Then he goes on to say in verse 10, this is my covenant which he shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. In other words, my covenant which is mine, I'm sharing it with you. It's going to go into your seed, but they must have their part to play and keep it. Then if you go to verse 11, he says, And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt or between me and you. Now, notice what the Lord says. Now, what are they to do to show their children of God? They are to circumcise the foreskin. And that was a token. The word token there is the same word used that the blood would be upon the doorposts and the door lintels of the houses of the Israelites when they're coming out of Egypt. And the blood shall be for a token unto me. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, the Lord says uh, to Moses. The word token here gives the idea it will be a beacon. It will be a flag. It will be a banner. It will be a covering. In other words, when God saw the blood, that's what it was to the Israelites. And here, this is obviously before that, he says, Abram, when I see, notice, the blood of the circumcision of the foreskin, he says, I will see that you're my children. But it goes beyond that. Stay with me for a moment. The idea of the circumcision of the foreskin of every child at eight days old and all who come into Abraham's house was a show of the faith that Abraham, or now Abraham had in Almighty God. In other words, he was discarding the flesh. That flesh was discarded, cut and then discarded. And it shows the separation of the flesh from the promises of God. Let me say it again. It shows a trust in God, faith in God, that God will keep his word, that God will keep his promise, And here he's saying, I will separate, he says, your flesh. He says, separate it from the Spirit. Separate it from the promise. Separate it from faith. And here, brothers and sisters, let's look at this for a moment because many of us try to do things in the flesh. Try to do things in the flesh. Many of us think that if we try harder, God loves us more, and that's not true. But we serve God because we love him. We don't, we don't serve him to be saved. We don't work to be saved, but we work for him because we are saved. And we must separate the things of the flesh and the things of the, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life, and we must walk in faith. And the flesh causes us to walk in unbelief. Your flesh causes you to have unbelief. And sometimes we see the impossibility. 99 years old, you have promised me to be a father of many nations. But 99 years old and, and not a child yet. There's not, well, there's not a prom at the door yet, Lord. And, and, and I'm an old man and things ain't what they used to be. And you're telling me that I am going to be a father of many nations. You're changing my name from Abram to Abraham. You see, sometimes when we... We, we tend to look at the flesh, we tend to look at the impossibilities. We tend to look at what we can't do, and that seems to be the ending clause of it, but it's not. We have to remember we don't walk by faith, but we walk we, we, we walk by faith and not by sight. We have to remember that it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells in the, uh, the regenerated uh, repentant heart of the believer. We have to remember that it's God in us. It's Christ in us who is the hope of glory. It's God who is in us who does the miracle. It's God in us who who is leading us and guiding us and, and even challenging us. But showing us that in all of these impossibilities, he is able to do, listen, exceeding abundantly above all that you or I could ever ask or think of him. Here is a man of 99 years old. His wife's about 10 years younger. And he's saying, Lord, are you serious? Can you not pick a younger couple who are in the prime of their life and fullness of fertility? Can you not pick someone like this? The Lord says, but in my election, I've picked you. I've picked you. Why would you pick me, Lord? You know, sometimes... On a regular basis, I ask the Lord that. Why me, Lord? Why me unto salvation? Why save me? Why not someone that was good? Why not someone who went and done all the right things and lived all the right life? Why someone like me? The answer just is sovereign grace, electing love. That's all I can find. You see, we are to rejoice that the Lord has come into our lives. to rejoice that no matter the impossibility. You know, brothers and sisters, I, I, I will be honest with you, uh, I all the time, on a very regular basis, I would be saying, "Lord, how did I ever become the preacher?" How did I ever come to the knowledge of God's word and where did the desire come for me to study it? I never had any of that. None of it. Lord, I've even said, Lord, are you sure you know what you're doing? It's me. It's only me. We me, as you would say. You see, brothers and sisters, we look at the flesh And the flesh will cause you to be disappointed. And the flesh will cause you to be distracted. And the flesh will cause you to take all the impossibilities and to mount them up before you. And the flesh will cause this great mountain to to make you seem so small. The flesh will cause you to feel despised. The flesh, yourself, you, the person you've seen in the mirror this morning. The flesh will cause you to sin, to walk wayward from God. The flesh will cause you to even curse God to give up and die. We must separate the flesh from the promises of God that are in Christ Jesus. We must circumcise the heart and cast away the fleshy man, cast away the, the fleshy woman, the ungodliness that's in every one of us. You know, Paul says, there's no good thing that dwelleth in me. Then he says, that is in my flesh because he knew the Holy Spirit was in him. So that's the good thing that dwells in him. And there's no good thing that dwells in you. And there's no good thing that dwells in me but the Holy Spirit of God. That's why we're standing in the righteousness of Christ. That's why we're trusting in the blood of the Lamb. That's why we have the Holy Ghost indwelling us when God gave it at the ascension of his Son and outpoured his Spirit into us. Here we see Abraham, his household, were to cut the flesh and discard it and it showed faith in God. You know how people will find that you're a real Christian? By the fruit of your labor. By the walk of your life. Discarding the things of the world. Discarding the things of the flesh. Just yesterday, I was talking to a man he says his pastor preached that Christians should abstain from alcohol and almost all his young people got up and left him and went to a church he allowed it. Wow. God has called us unto holiness. And when a man and a woman Realize the holiness of God, then we want to live through the leading of the Holy Spirit to live a holy life like Christ. Notice this. He that is born in thy house and that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised. Must needs. Would you say must needs for me? Must needs. Would you say it one more time? Must needs. Here, in other words, the Lord is expressing necessity. He's expressing certainty. It's a binding thing to Abraham. And he says, you must do it. If you want to cast away the things of the flesh and show the world that you're mine, then circumcise the flesh and discard it. Ask the Holy Spirit this morning to show you what part of the flesh we need to cut off and discard for the glory of God. I was at a meeting not so long ago, and I found the preacher apologized, one, for speaking out of uh, the King James Bible. He apologized for quoting a Puritan because it was old. But he found no bother in quoting an atheist. Flesh. Flesh. Here, one must needs be circumcised. Showing your faith. It's the cutting of the flesh, the old man and the old woman to be crucified afresh. Showing your faith is putting it away, putting it aside. I don't mean to offend anyone by any means. And I know I'm going to, but I don't mean to. But here it is. I am God-smacked. That's a good word, isn't it? Transmogrified at times. Don't know if that's a real word. The amount of God's people who are going to worldly concerts. The amount of God's people who are now sitting with the world because we must win them. The Bible expressly tells us and the Word of God expressly teaches us that every true, blood-washed, born-again Spirit-filled child of God will be separate from the world, will be different from the world, not the same as the world, and they will be saved, that is the world, through the preaching of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the Bible. God's people nowadays, there is no separation in their house. We're not here. And brothers and sisters, I have been, this has been in my mind, holidays when I was away. I was laying in Spain in the heat. And I, can't, I don't lie too long. I like to walk. But when I was laying there, everything's going through my mind. The way the church is, not only ours, but the church universal. And the way things are happening in the word. And I said, God, help us. And I felt the Lord kept saying to me, get back to the word. Get into the Word. Tell them about the Word. It's the Word, it's the Word, it's the Word. You know, brothers and sisters, I love worship. The group did well today. I'm, keep going, you're doing fantastic. I love worship, but I can tell you one thing when you go home and shut your doors, it's not the worship, it's the Word. When something comes to your door, it's the Word. When sickness comes, it's the Word. When fear comes, it's the Word. When anxiety comes, it's the Word. When danger comes, it's the Word. And when Christ comes, it's the Word. It's the word of God. God's people no longer want to lift the unadulterated, inspired word of God and read it. Promise box mentality. Thought for the day. All oh, nice, that's okay. Take ye the book of the law and read, they said, when they find the scrolls in Jerusalem. Take and read it, for this will bring you to glory. These are the words of eternal life and cutting off all flesh, all fleshy desires. Now we live in the flesh, and until Christ comes and changes our flesh, none of us are sinless. I don't believe in this life before Christ returns and sinless perfection. Before God, we're sinless because of Christ. But in our lives, it's not sinless perfection. We are not sinless, but we could sin less. Here we see the Lord said, must needs, brother, sister, I personally believe not that my word will stand for anything but on reading the scriptures and studying and praying and thinking and pondering and musing on it and chewing it over I personally believe that we will not see a revival in God's church until we cast away the things that we desire and pray in the things of God's will and until you and I yield ourselves to the fullness of God and His Word and Spirit, I do not believe for one minute that God is going to send any great revival. The Lord has said in His Word, If my people, which are called by my name, who humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways and Seek my face, he says, then, he says, I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land." Ulster is in the state it is in. Britain is in the state it is in. The United States also is in the state that it is in because the church is in the state that it is in. Everything is going. There's no cutting off of the flesh There's no showing the faith in God, and we are not, we are not trying to rubbish anyone. We're just saying, I believe, as an assembly, as a person, a Christian, a pastor, and a preacher, brothers and sisters, I am determined, I am determined to get back, to get back to the things of God, to the Word of God, this holy Bible which God has placed Uh, so lovingly and caringly into our hands that other countries cannot have that you and I may see men and women who do not like the word and run out looking for preachers having itching ears that they'll tell them things that they want to hear not things that they need to hear and it might empty a pew and it might empty a church but one thing we must do is to stand upon the word of God. It must be that we stand upon it. It must be we get back. Listen, the early Pentecostals, thinking about them, reading about them, watching things about them, they didn't have no gimmicks. They had no gimmicks. It was the Word and the Spirit. It was the Holy Ghost and prayer. It wasn't even emotionalism. It was simply this. They preached the Word and God followed his word, and performed acts and signs and wonders because he promised. Oh, brothers and sisters, let's cast off this foreskin of our flesh, as it were, and let us see again the circumcision of our hearts that shows the faith we have in Christ alone that shows that we are standing in the word. It's not popular. It's not in the trend. It's not in the fashion. It's not going with the flow. But brothers and sisters, any old fish can swim downstream. And when I was away, I seen trout swimming up, and I thought, now there's a real challenge. Jumping up over the river. I thought, now there is a different fish. I was standing looking over the wall, and the river was coming down, and these men were in fly fishing. Salmon. What did I say? Trout? So I wasn't a trout, it was a salmon. My wife was, uh, has let me know there. And, and, uh, and it was, these guys were swim, swimming, <laughs> they were fishing. The fish were swimming, the men were fishing. And the, the salmon was going up and jumping up and jumping up. And it was fantastic. I said, now there's something different. I don't want to be like the world. When I got saved from the world, I knew what Christ saved me from. I knew the life he had brought me from and where I was headed, not only for eternity, but in this life. And I knew where he had brought me from and the forgiveness of my sin. Listen, and you just don't even know the half of it. I, wouldn't even, I, I couldn't repeat it. But when he saved me, it, he changed me. He changed my heart and he changed my life. And I've never been the same. I've never been the same. Christian, I'm not trying to... This is not condemnation. This is for you to examine yourself. Examine ourselves. For me, I've been examining myself for quite some time now. So it's not condemnation. I say it with all the love in my heart. Tell me something. Don't tell me something. Tell yourself something. Have you truly met with the Saviour? Have you really, truly met with Christ? Have you really, truly found Him in your life and in your heart to be all? I mean all. I don't mean part of or a corner of or a time off or a bit off. Have you truly met Him to be all your heart's desire? Is he your all and all, or is he somewhere down the line and somewhere along the list? Is he engraved within you? Is he in every fiber of your being? It's Christ. You're all. Would you notice if he removed his anointing? Do you notice when you're in your flesh and you, you don't sense his spirit? Do you notice it? Are you aware of it? I quit saying something this morning. It was Something about like being aware of the Spirit, was it, Gail? Make us more aware of you, was it? Let us come, be more, become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Is that it? Christ was to lift himself from you. Would you be aware of it? Are you aware when you're not in church and you're doing your things, whatever you do? Are you ever walking through the shop, sister or brother, maybe, and you're you're thinking of him and you just don't even want to be in the shopping center? I'm like that all the time, by the way. I'd walk out in a car park and Stand, or outside sometimes and stand like this. And if anybody see me, they'd lock me up. Lord, you. And if anybody looks at me, sort of go, I suppose that time. I'm thinking about him and talking to him. My heart's racing for him. As the deer pants after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirst for God, for the living God. But rather, what does our souls desire? What do our souls thirst after? We must needs. It's a binding clause. If we want to show our faith to a dying world, if we want to show our faith to our, our families and to society and to our neighbors and to our work colleagues, if we want to show our faith, we must cut the flesh and cast it away. Ah, Christian you want to see what he says you want to see how she gets on you want to see how they act you want to see what they do see the words that, 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 that they speak I know they're on the fiddle you know Jim prayed about that this morning brothers and sisters the Lord almighty God comes says Abram I'm going to place a promise in you it's between me and you but you must circumcise your seed it'll show faith and take the flesh and cast it off. I know in many churches they won't preach anything like this. But I've said it before and I will say it again, brothers and sisters. I love you too much not to preach it. Let me just... Me a couple of minutes, and I'm going to close this. For I'll bring, I want to I've so met, I have a few of these written down, and I've only gone to the first verse. So let me just go to the next part. Hebrews chapter 11 says about those. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as Faith's Hall of Faith. And notice what it says about people like Abram, Abraham, I should say, and uh, the likes of him. Now notice this: God has promised him that he'll be a father of many nations, but he must needs circumcise his seed. Notice, Hebrews 11 and verse 13 says, of Abram and others, they died in faith, not having received the promises. What? Hold on. Almighty God comes, gives him a promise, Abraham sees Isaac and Jacob and so on, and he dies not having received the promise Did the Lord let him down. You see, you and I, looking with hindsight, can see what God has done, and we can see Abraham's cedar of race and faith. And we know he hasn't let him down. But he died, not seeing it all come to pass, my faith. Here's a personal one for me, and maybe it'll be help someone here. Sometimes, when our prayers aren't exactly answered the way we think they should have been, we feel let down and disappointed. But you see, what you need to do is see a bigger picture. It doesn't matter if God has said a promise to you, even at the loss of a loved one and you've prayed for them. That loved one who is in Christ and you who are in Christ, the bigger promise is that you will be with them in Christ's glory. You see, it, the whole plan hasn't come to fruition yet. It's God's still working it out in you, brother, sister. God is planning and preparing. God is bringing you along step by step, leading you step by step along the way. And it's believing God's promise, even if we go to the grave, Believing God's promise of eternity. Believing God's promise of salvation. And you might not understand it. You may think it's an impossibility. You might not comprehend it. But it's casting off the fleshy mind and trusting in the spirit of the word. Lord, you've said it. You've said it. I've trusted you. Land me on a deathbed. You've said that that I'm safe and secure. Nothing shall separate me from you, Lord, even at this point. And and you can close your eyes in death and open them, as it were, and you're in Christ. You see, the bigger picture has yet to come. Notice what it says. They died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Notice, having seen them afar off. In other words, if you look this up, the idea is they saw them and it was so good, it seemed too good to be true. We think of heaven, we think of glory, we think it's too good to be true. But that's God's plan for you, brother, sister. That's God's fullness of his plan when we will worship Christ and serve him throughout the ages, time without end. Notice this. It means to... Too good to be true or better than they could perceive of them own selves. In other words, God gave them flashes and God gave them glimpses of glory. They God it. It says, and they were persuaded of them. In other words, they were persuaded that God's promises were true even if they go to the grave. Come on, sometimes we think, well, our promises that uh, God promised me that it hasn't happened, or I prayed for something that didn't turn out the way I thought, and we get down and disillusioned and disappointed, and, and we even get depressed about it. And listen, it's not over yet. Even death can't hone the promise of God. It's not over yet. God has a mighty plan in store, and God is working all things out after the counsel of his own will. And it's not over yet, brothers and sisters. You should take excitement and joy and strength and courage and comfort in it that God is not finished yet. It's not done. He's not done with us. It means here, uh, uh, having per- being persuaded of them means to greet a friend or to greet a close friend. And you know, they would have greeted with a kiss on each cheek and a great hug they seen the promises as it were and they kissed the promises of God and they hugged them and they says, we're holding on to this. We're holding on. Brother, hold on, sister. Hold on. It says, and they embraced them. Embraced here gives the idea as they took them to their hearts. Took it right into their hearts and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. In other words, they realized, Lord, it's not over yet. I finish with this for this morning. In Genesis 17, if you let your eye run down to verse 21, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac which shorter shall bear unto thee at this time in the next year. And he left off talking with him and went up from Abraham. He left off talking. The idea is God stopped talking and left him. God has given you something and It seems so long ago. He stopped talking and he left. Lord, have you forgotten? He says, no, he says, just what I say starts. And it will never change. And until he comes and performs that, then you hold on to that. And trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not that I know understanding. And all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy paths. They must need circumcision to show their faith the cutting of the flesh and the casting away of the old man. So here we have uh, part one of this. We have a few of these to do. And that's only part one of part one. So we'll, we'll get there. And we'll trust the Lord will bless this little study. And Siri said, well...